an hour of truth for the battered but proud people of the Empire State. From the financial and entertainment epicenter of New York City to the sleeping and empty small cities and towns of upstate, which once bustled with manufacturing, mining, and farming. We all know from inspiration, history, and nature, we deserve a return to the success and growth of generations past, a birthright being squandered by corruption in Albany, and the depredations of an insecure, scheming mountebank posing as governor, who loathes both us and himself. As liberty beckoned to enslaved peoples behind the Iron Curtain via American broadcasts after World War II, we now say, believe, rise, and join us. Welcome to Radio Free New York. Hey, so happy to have you all here. It's Larry Sharp, yes, host of the Sharpway Show, and happy to be here. Your lunchtime on Thursday, W-Y-S-L-W-E-N-Y-E-N-I, Elmira and Corning, the Patriot, and of course, W-A-C-K in Newark, New York, not Jersey, you uncultured people. It's New Newark, New York. Absolutely. I'm teasing you. Eight, I'm sorry, five, eight, five, three, four, six, three thousand to join me. Happy to have your calls. We should be happy, shouldn't we? The vaccine is coming. And when the vaccine comes, we're all safe. Now it's all good. Well, I think you know that's not necessarily true. To be clear, I'm not against the, the vaccine. If, if people want to take a vaccine, please get the vaccine. Please take any vaccine that you feel comfortable taking. Absolutely happy that that option is there for you. And I hope most people decide to take a vaccine that's safe for them. And you might say, well, Larry, why do you care so much about this? Well, I hope it's a good and safe vaccine. I hope it keeps people safe. I do. And you may or may not know, there's recently been a bill proposed in New York State that if 70% of New Yorkers don't take it, it'll be mandated. Yes, I still am not that afraid of the mandate, to be forward with you. I think that the mandate was proposed as a political stunt. You might say, why in the world would someone do that? Why would a mandate be a positive thing? Because it came from the Upper West Side of Manhattan. That would be the reason why. So those assembly members in that area, they're all about imposing their will. All about it. So doing that is actually a good thing for them. They're, they're happy that that's happening. So I think it's more of a political ploy to say, see my constituents, keep voting for me. I was going to force the entire state to do what you want. See? And you might go, Larry, that sounds crazy. No, that's normal. That's kind of the way it works. This is why I'm so against this idea of forcing. Because as you think you're going to force everybody, it's not going to happen. How does it happen? Think about that. Are they literally going to have state troopers uh, escort medical personnel to homes and knock on doors? No. I think you and I both know the mandate is just going to be there so that when you don't do it, they can punish you and take money. This actually isn't made to mandate to force you to take it. It's another money grab. And I know you may say, well, Larry, come on. It's about health. No, it's a money grab. Because what will happen is they'll say it's a mandate. They won't enforce it. It's unenforceable. They're not going to have state troopers take medical personnel, knock on your doors and go, 
Where's little Johnny? Give me his arm. It's not going to happen. But will they say, oh, you didn't take it? Great. That's a $100 fine. And for every month you don't take it, that's another $100 fine. Now it's a money grab. Do as we say or pay the state. So if you're wealthy, good for you. I hope you're wealthy. And you can tell us they to go take a flying leap because you'll pay your 100 bucks a month and to hell with you, Cuomo. I hope you're that wealthy. I know most of us aren't. And we're not prepared to drop X hundred dollars to tell Cuomo to take a flying leap, even though many of us would like to, me being one of them. So what happens instead? It becomes a money grab. And then eventually it becomes, a, oh, you want to go to school? Oh, you want a driver's license? Oh, you want this? Yeah, we'll give you a driver's license, but you need a vaccine. Oh, we'll put you in school, but you need a vaccine. Oh, you want that tax break? Great. Get a vaccine. You might think, Larry, would they do that? Yeah. Already there's a movement. It's not a bill. It's not a law yet. But there's already a movement now that says we should pay people to take the vaccine. Oh, you want your stimulus check? Did you get vaccinated? If you didn't, no stimulus check. So everyone's going to get, and the number they brought up was $1,500. Again, this is just an idea right now that they haven't put in the bill yet or anything like that. $1,500 if you're vaccinated. Oh, you're not? You don't get the money. Sorry. That's your, that's your, I don't listen to the powers that be fee. You don't get your $1,500. That's what I think our issue is. And the problem is you might say, well, Larry, why in the world would they even want that kind of money grab? Because the state's broke. That's the reason. Have you heard His Majesty King Angela II? Oh, hail the king. Have you heard His Majesty speak about this? We need something like $60 billion. I forgot the exact number. It's something like that. Just the MTA needs like $4 billion and the city needs like $12 billion or all these types of things. We need tons of money. $60 billion. Now, right now, in D.C., they have a package they're thinking about putting together. It's almost a trillion dollars. It's like $980 billion or something like that. It's almost a trillion. Yes, you can't even imagine that. Our current debt, New York, I'm sorry, New York, United States debt, national debt, is about $27 trillion. We're going to throw another trillion on top of that. Yeah, what the hell? Another, another trillion. What's a trillion between friends? Ah, throw it up there. No worries. But in that bill, it's a trillion dollars almost. Guess how much goes to local, state, and federal governments? $108 billion. That's it. About a tenth or a ninth of the amount, oh well, a tenth or the eleventh, no, tenth or a ninth, yes, of, of the money is going to local governments. Cuomo wants $60 billion. He wants 60 out of the 108? It's 50 states, my friend. I'm sorry, your majesty? There's, there's 50 states, your majesty. You think you're going to get 60% of it? Mm, I'm not, that may be a little bit too much to ask. And I think he knows that too. So he's already said it. Laying off people, raising taxes, lowering services. So we, as New Yorkers now, because of his incompetence, have to now get even worse services. They weren't bad enough. And we got to pay more for it. I wonder why people are leaving New York. I don't get it. I'm not, 
<laughs> what could it be? It's the weather. That's what it is, the weather. Yeah, it's not the fact that it was already bad, and now you're saying we're going to raise more taxes, and it's going to get worse, and now we're finding other ways of money grabbing. Now, you might say, well, that vaccine thing, fine, Larry, I was into the vaccine anyway, so I don't have to worry about it. Okay, maybe you don't. But maybe your family or friends might. What about people who have uh, pre-existing conditions to where they shouldn't get the vaccine? How about that? Should they pay the fines and fees? But there's a whole bunch of little things, too. And this is the, the sore winner thing that bothers me so much. Look, the Democrats are winning, right? Right now they're winning. Looks like the Biden's going to be president. It's possible they may get the Senate. Depends on how Georgia goes. And they're still smacking people. You could stop. You don't have to keep doing that. Not that Republicans are any better. They're sole winners and losers too. We're all sole winners and losers. This isn't helpful. But let me go to New York City again. That's my city. You guys know I live in New York City. I give you the uh, the city view. Subways, which are supposed to be super spreaders. They're not. We need billions of dollars for the MTA because people aren't riding the MTA anymore. They're not riding the subway because they scared us into thinking it was a super spreader, even though it wasn't. So, of course, we don't go. Well, we don't go. They don't make money. So, they need more money. But let's we don't go. So, they decided that they're going to have a now a fine if you don't wear a mask on a subway. So, if you go on a subway and you're not wearing a mask, as of Monday, $50 fine in New York City. 50 bucks. That's your fine. What is going to happen? Less people are going to ride the subway. You're not making things better. Your money grab is stupid. It's not going to work. How do we know this? It's very simple. You can talk to garage owners. More people are driving in. Yes. You would think, wait a minute, are garage owners happy about this? Yeah, they're making a killing. They're making a killing for two reasons. One, people don't want to use public transportation because... We scared everyone to believe that they're super spreaders and you're going to die if you take the subway. So people aren't taking it. So I said, well, okay, here's what we'll do. We'll now find people who are taking it. So we'll punish the people who are doing the right thing. Boy, that's brilliant. So then what happens? Less people take it. So now they go drive in, which creates more congestion in New York City, which is what to try to stop. So now they're paying more in garages. On top of that, we've been so brilliant in New York City that you can't eat indoors in restaurants. So what do they do? Restaurants build little houses on the street, which makes less parking, which means parking garages are fuller. So garage owners are like, yeah, this is amazing. Lock it all down. This is great. Keep locking it down. They're making a killing here. People are reacting to their environment. And when you keep hitting them with a stick, eventually they say, I don't want to be hit with this stick anymore. And they go someplace else. And they do something else. We're not trying to fix anything. We're short-term smacking people in the head because we don't know any better. And we wonder why people are leaving New York State. And you don't require a master's degree in organizational theory or whatever that would be. And you don't need that to figure this out. It's human nature. And it's been happening for 10 years in this state, at least if not 20 or 30. And you'd think we would learn from the past, but we don't.
So everyone now is going to pretend, in the state that is, that we care about health and we're going to do things and make laws for health. None of that's true because they don't know what works and what doesn't work. What they're going to do is make laws for two things. One, for more control. And two, for more of a money grab. Because people are going to keep leaving New York State. But the budget doesn't go down. Well, it went on a little bit. Our budget went from like $185 billion to like $178 billion. Still double Florida. And Florida has more people than us. So it went down a little bit. A little bit. But not much. And of course, His Majesty got a raise because, you know, writing a book takes time and energy. So he's got to make some cash on that, right? I mean, we have to pay him for that, don't we? And he's, he's on TV and stuff. So we got to pay him for that. So he has to get an extra $25,000 a year because he's worth it. And all of us who are struggling and being crushed and falling apart, we don't. But he does. He is our Lord and Master, so I guess we should just give him the money. The point that I'm making here is, in the coming months, you're going to hear lots of bills being proposed, laws and mandates being passed, and edicts from His Majesty, royal edicts, being... Um, dictated, and they're all going to be in the name of safety. Remember something. None of them are actually going to be about that. That will be ostensibly what they'll be about, but it won't be accurate. It will always be about one or two things. More control or more money. And I know you're saying we need to give up more money. Yeah, more money for less services. That's New York. Larry Sharp here on Radio Free New York. Give me a call, 585-346-3000. Back after the break. You're listening to Radio Free New York. It's Larry Sharp back here sharing your lunch hour. I appreciate it here on W-Y-S-L-W-E-N-Y-E-N-I, Elmira Corning, the Patriot, W-A-C-K, Newark. Here by the phone, 585-346-3000. And happy to be here hosting Radio Free New York. Before the break, I was talking a lot about how there's a money grab right now by our government. State specifically, but also counties and local to the city, the same thing. Many ways that the government is trying to take money. Now, the, the worry I have here is that most people will tell you, Larry, we have a, a money problem. We've got a budget problem. We've got to fill this budget. So the answer consistently from our leadership is, well, federal government has to write us a big check. That's how we, we have to fund the government. So give the government money so it can fund the government and support the people. Isn't it supposed to be the reverse? We've completely broken this idea. What is the way that we're supposed to be funding our government? Through our taxes to the government and the fees and fines to the government. That's how we're supposed to be doing it. So we're supposed to be happy with the services we get. Look, this is fantasy world, obviously, but play with me. We're supposed to be enjoying the services that we get. We're supposed to be loving our infrastructure and our roads and all those cool things that we get. And then we pay them a percentage of either our income or from commerce or something like that. That's what we do. Well, that's gone away, hasn't it? Now, government runs everything and supports us. How did that happen? Shouldn't we be thinking instead, we don't need to fund the government directly from the state, from the, sorry, 
from the country, from the nation, shouldn't we try to have a more robust economy so the taxes get generated, so that funds our government? Isn't that how it's supposed to happen? Aren't we putting the money in the wrong part of the funnel? The money should be going to the individuals so they can grow the economy so the tax go up, taxes go up without the tax rate going up, and then the government gets funded. I thought that's how it's supposed to work. I'm clearly the crazy guy. I'm the nut who says we should have a better economy so the tax the tax revenue goes up without tax rates going up and we have a better, more effective government that does what we want. Wow, I'm the nutty guy. We don't have a money issue or a budget issue. We have a commerce issue. If we had more commerce happening in New York State, more people buying and selling goods and services, more people paying people wages, more people paying consultants and contractors, more people buying and selling their own labor, we'd have more commerce and we'd have more tax revenue without having to raise taxes. And we wouldn't need money from the federal government. So why aren't we doing things that makes that happen? That seems to make sense to me. Why aren't we getting commerce going? Then by default increases taxes and it funds our governments, both local and statewide and even national. We've decided that doesn't matter. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to use the Federal Reserve as our money machine. We're going to crank out another, you know, trillion dollars, whatever, whatever, two trillion. We'll crank that out and we'll give that away. Bread and circuses and we'll bribe everyone to do as we say. And sadly, it's actually working. It's actually working. Most New Yorkers are still saying, yeah, they got to give us money. They're still thinking that. Yeah, they got to give us money. Literally, our assembly, our Senate, our governor put together a budget assuming that the federal government will give us a bunch of money. And we're supposed to be an adult. Could you imagine, as an adult, you know, child, you're, but you're an adult in this case, you, but you have parents, right? Your parents are alive, you're an adult, and you put together your yearly budget for your rent and or your mortgage or your credit card bills or whatever, and you increase, and you put in your budget, oh, what mom's going to give me? Mom's going to give me, you know, 15K. Mom's going to give me that. I'm just going to put that in a budget. And when mom goes, since when do I got to give you money? You're an adult. I got to give you money? And you go, yeah, ma, what's wrong with you? Give me the money. I'm your kid. You're 35 years old. I don't have to give you $15,000. Not required of me. If I want to, because I'm your mom or dad and I have the money, made an agreement, and I want to give you the money, fine. Please give your kids as much money as you want to give your kids. They're your kids. Enjoy. But the idea that the adult kid not ask for the money, that's fine. Many people ask family members for money. Not a problem. That happens often. And family members often support other family members. Happens often. But they deserve it and it's required and a must? No, it's not. It's not required and a must that your mom give you $15,000. I hope we all have moms who can do that and do that for us. That's all. That's amazing. It's not required. But we're in New York State. Yeah, it is. 
Uncle Joe is going to give us $60 billion. I wish you all had an Uncle Joe who would give us $60 billion. But the fact that we're angry, and when I say we, I don't necessarily mean me and you. I mean New York State as a whole. I mean our state government. And I mean many of our citizens who have come to believe that the answer is always the same thing. Wait for daddy government to save us. Wait for daddy government to give us the vaccine and force it if required because daddy's always right. Wait for daddy government to write us a big check because that's how we'll be saved. Wait for daddy government to bail us out because that's all okay. And that's become our norm. So who's actually winning? It doesn't seem like it's us. It isn't. Who's actually winning are two things, two people. There are elites, our government elites and our business elites. These are the people who are actually winning. That's why they like this system. That's why they like this idea. Because as we become more childlike, and that's why I use that analogy, and we are becoming this. Again, I'm not saying necessarily you or I. I am saying us as a culture, that's absolutely true. And as a state, it's true. We are becoming more childlike. Which means we just do as we're told, we listen to our mom or our dad, and we become weaker and weaker. And the problem is, at what point are we so weak that we can't be on our own? But we have to. We have to. Am I right? Am I wrong? Tell me. 585-346-3000. Let me know. Larry Sharp, post the short way. Follow me on all the internet things. Facebook, Instagram, all those things. The short way, Larry Sharp. Radio for New York, be back after the break. You're listening to Radio Free New York. Sharp here sharing your lunch hour with you on Radio Free New York, WYSL, W-E-N-Y-E-N-I, Elmira Recording, W-A-C-K in Newark, New York. You want to reach out to me? You can if you want to, or just listen to me because I am pretty entertaining if I do say so myself. I do say so myself, but you can call me if you want, 585-346-3000. I was chatting before the break about those who are really taking advantage or winning here. And I mentioned the elites, the political elites and the financial elites. They absolutely are. There's no doubt they are. The government and generally speaking, big business or big finance. They are absolutely winning. As the small guys get hammered, the big guys pick up all the pieces. Some of you may have remembered, I brought this up a year ago almost, eh, not a year ago, but maybe nine months ago, 10 months ago. I brought the idea that every single time there's a crash, that's when the wealth gap explodes. It's not because, oh, Trump's a bad president, or Obama's a bad president, or Bush is a bad president, or Clinton's a bad president. That isn't the reason. And you might think any of those guys are bad presidents, I got you, but that's not the reason. The reason is, every time there's a crash, 
The super wealthy know in advance. Come on, Larry, you being conspiracy guy? I'm not. I'm not a big conspiracy guy. I don't think that, I don't, I think most conspiracies are not true. Some are, some are based upon something real, but exaggerated. But I don't mean this is a conspiracy. I mean, literally, when the elites see something bad on the horizon, they tell the other elites and go, hey, something bad's happening. How do I know that? You saw it. Literally, there was an, a news article. Do your own homework if you want to. There were senators who started selling their stock before COVID hit because they knew it was going to be bad. They started selling their stock to become liquid so they have cash to spend. You watch a bunch of people who are very wealthy start dumping stuff so they have cash to spend. Now, why in the world would someone who is elite or savvy or smart dump their stock or dump their reels or dump something like that? Why? At this price. Because once COVID hits or crisis hits, whatever that crisis is, very often, prices drop. Well, the price of my stock's going to drop. So sell it now when it's high. Then it starts to drop. What can I do? Buy it back. So I sold it at 100 The price drops to 50 I'll buy back what I had. Put the other half in my pocket. Good for me. Maybe buy some more stock with it or something else. I sell my house. Right? I got a second house. I'm wealthy. I might have two or three houses. I sell a bunch of houses at a high price. Now the prices go down. What do I do? I buy three houses for the price of one. Now I have more stuff. But why would I be buying stuff? Because the middle class has to sell stuff so they can survive. They have to sell their homes or sell their assets or cash out their 401ks or sell their stock or whatever it is so that they can survive. The middle class begins to give up its assets so it can survive and pay its day-to-day, month-to-month, week-to-week bills. And the wealthy are there with cash, ready to buy it up. Happens all the time. Happened after the uh, dot-com bubble burst in, what, 2001? Happened in the real estate crash 2009, and now the COVID crash of 2020. All of those things happen every single time, and it keeps happening. So that's where the real transfer of wealth goes from. It goes from the middle class to to the very wealthy. The working poor get hammered too, right? The very poor, we should always care about the very poor, always. But they don't have far to drop. I know that sounds horrible, and I'm not trying to be cruel at all when I say that. I'm just saying they can't be affected as much because they're already very poor. So when they're very poor, we don't have to worry as much about them. But that middle class, that working poor, they get hammered. And that's where the wealthy take it all. This is what I was talking about prior to the break. I'm going to grab a call if I can. John, how are you, sir? Hey, Larry, I'm doing great. Listen, uh, I got to tell you, I think uh, New York State is going to get what they wish for uh, with Biden. If Biden gets uh, uh, put in office and uh, the Democrats take the Senate, New York's going to get everything they want. It's going to be unbelievable. And... uh, you know, I'm not thing, sure that's a good thing, John. Wait a minute. I, I don't know if that's a good thing. Not, well, I'm a New York resident, New York State resident, upstate New York resident, Rochester. Yeah. And uh, I'll tell you, I'm against it. We've got, we've got to start uh, uh, creating a reasonable economy here yes. without government interference, without high taxes. I mean, it, absolutely. It, as you know, you know better than I. You've toured the whole state, yep. downstate, upstate, everywhere. The tax upstate is killing the upstate economy, and I, yes. I attribute it to uh, 
the public employee unions. I think that's the biggest problem we have in this state, and uh, I'd like to see right to work. What do you think? Well, I, I like what you're talking about, right? The, 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 I'll give you two points. The first one is the advantage of the COVID crisis would, in theory, give us an opportunity to make real changes, right? We're going to have to start cutting our budget. So maybe we start trimming some of the fat. I'm with you. Maybe we, uh, Cuomo would use his power. I'm fantasizing here. That, he, that we gave him his magic power to do whatever he wants to begin to trim the fat regardless of union issues or concerns, right? It isn't fair that the average New Yorker who's paying the salaries of many of these union workers and paying for their pensions, we can't make ends meet. Yet someone gets to live in Florida making $300,000 a year and they haven't worked in New York in six years. I'm not making that up, John. You know that kind of stuff is true. Oh, yeah. So why are we paying that? I agree with you completely. But so, if you remember what I talked about when I was running for governor and the new plan I brought up this year was the idea of first beginning to adjust and change education in New York City. Education is a huge chunk of our budget, give or take $60 billion, about one third of our budget is education, give or take. We reform that and then because of our reforms, break, as you said perfectly, break our ties to the federal government in our education system. Once that happens, all those bureaucrats that are union workers, all getting paid at least $150,000 a year, all of them, they all get removed, not all, but a bunch of get removed, cuts the fat, allows us to have better education, and lets the unions know, you got to do your job. I'm not against unions. I think unions are a part of the First Amendment. They are someone's right to association and someone's right to speak. No worries. I'm happy with that. I'm against manda mandatory unions. So I think you're totally right. Right to work is a great idea. And I think we should have multiple unions. Why can't you have two or three unions in any given place? Then I unions could actually... I agree with you, Larry. It's, yeah. the, it's the public employee unions. Even yep. FDR was against the public employee unions. Yes. Uh, it, it didn't make any sense because you know what happens. Look what, what's happened in New York State, California, uh, New Jersey. Uh, we, we're in a fiscal hole right now. We yes. will be for, for, for many years. And the other thing, the other uh, downfall of upstate New York and New York State, not only the public employee unions, but the media. I get the mm -hmm. Buffalo News and I get the Rochester Democrat and Chronicle. And I'm telling you, it's, uh, it, they pound the pavement every day in the newspaper about the leftist causes, high taxation, glorifying yeah. the teachers' unions. It's a, seven days a week. It's unbelievable. We are getting brainwashed, not you or I, but <laughs> many of yes. our uh, fellow citizens. That's all they read about. They don't know the alternative. That's what really ticks me off, and I like to hear what you – uh, you're the type of guy that uh, has a big impact in the media for for the common guy and lady. I, I appreciate that. As you can see, I'm trying to get that message out more and more. I'm trying to make the message out that people can. We can have change, and we don't have to fight all the time. The problem that New York State's having is that so many people are getting tired of it, and they're leaving. And so now you have more people who believe the same way staying in this state which I'm not against the way they think, but I'm with you. If they only hear one way, how could they possibly think of another way? They have to be able to hear all the ways to go, oh, you know what, maybe I'm wrong, or maybe I should change on this piece, or just on this piece. The first step is having the conversation, because you've seen it. 
you have people who think one way and you talk to them about another way and immediately they say, oh, you're one of them. And they don't talk to you. There's exactly. No and I'll, and I'll tell you another thing in regards to the media. You know, you got ABC, CBS, the newspapers. Now, they're privately owned, and they yeah. can do with what they want. Uh, they can they can give their opinions as much as I, I hate. Well, they're, they're not journalists anymore. They're opinion writers. Uh, but, you know, one thing, one of my pet peeves right now is NPR. NPR mm. is taxpayer-funded, yes. and they are to the left big time, and they should be defunded. They talk about defunding the police. Let's defund NPR. That's that's my motto right now. I, I am with you. Like, I, I, I think NPR has every right to exist. I agree. And they should exist as a nonprofit. Exactly. If you like NPR, write them a check. Absolutely. If you want to listen to them, write them a check. I love that. Send them your credit card information. But why are you and I paying for NPR? Keep up the I play, agree. Larry. Yes. Thank, John, thank you so much for the call. I appreciate it. Thank you. John's right, guys. You think he's right? You can call me too. 585-346-3000. Larry Sharp, host of The Sharp Way here on Radio Free New York. Back after the break. Free New York. Hey, it's Larry Sharp here. Wrapping up your lunch hour. I hope you are having a nice, uh, cool sandwich or something. Actually, it should be a hot sandwich, right? A nice hot sandwich and a cool drink. Or maybe a hot drink. It is kind of cold out there. Whatever. I hope you're enjoying your meal, whatever that is. Larry Sharp hosted the Sharp Way on all the things. And, of course, here on WYSL, W-E-N-Y slash E-N-I, Elmira and Corning, the Patriot. And W-A-C-K in Newark, 585-346-3000. Before the break, John and I were talking about the idea of how do you get people to see another way? How do you get people to not just have to say, hey, the thing I saw in my newspaper is obviously the right thing. And if you're if you don't think that, something's wrong with you. How do we make that happen? How do we keep people from leaving this state? Well, there's two things. One is respect, and two is hope. I know this sounds cheesy, I know, but it's still true. These are the two things, respect and hope. Those two things. Now, how do we handle that? Well, the first thing is people think, well, when things get bad, right, that's when people revolt. You know, how bad's it gotta get till people revolt? It actually doesn't matter how, matter how bad it gets. People will stay in a terrible situation until they die, literally, horribly. They would just, it's called learned helplessness. That's actually a thing. Do your homework on that if you care. It's called learned helplessness. We just become sheep. We become a broken dog, a broken animal. We become, I don't want to insult dogs. But when do people all of a sudden change? It's when they see hope. And why so many New Yorkers aren't staying here because they see no hope, but they're leaving because they see hope someplace else. Oh, if I pack up and go to Tennessee, there's a chance. If I go to Florida, there's a chance. If I go to North Carolina, Arizona, there's a chance. Ah, there's some hope. And they pack up and they go. If they think there's no hope anywhere or they can't leave realistically, they stay. If they think there's hope here, they try to fix it. 
So many people stayed and got excited when I was running for governor because they thought, oh, there's some hope. Let's get behind this guy. There's some hope. But there's also hope even in a negative way. And I'm going to give you a little history. Some of you know this. The Romanov family in Russia ran Russia and crushed their peasants for 300 years. And the peasants hardly revolted at all. Here or there, little pieces here or there, but hardly at all in mass. What made them actually revolt and overthrow that monarchy? Communism. And you might go, what? Communism? Yeah, communism. Why? Because what they could look at was the horrible emperor, the Tsar, who was crushing them for hundreds of years, or this guy Lenin, who's got this new idea, with some really cool talking points. Everyone's going to be equal. No more kings. Ah, sounds amazing. There's some hope. Off we go. Let's become communist. Then they realized, oh, communism. Wow, not so good either. This was not, no, this is bad too. But they didn't know any better. To John's point, all they knew was the Tsar. Then they saw something with some hope, and they rushed to it. There's some hope there. Yeah. Why do I bring this up to us? Because that's where our youth is. They've spent the last 10, 20 years having back-to-back, every 10 years or so, recessions, slash crash, slash depression. They've been sold a bullet of goods that they're going to have great jobs waiting for them. They haven't. And now here comes cool Uncle Bernie, or hot AOC, saying, Socialism, look, it's got great ideas. Look, everything's fair. Everyone gets free college. Isn't it amazing? And the youth go, wow. The collapses that I've been seeing in my life where I don't own anything, where I can't get any success, where nothing's working for me, or this hope of the socialism, I'll go there. And they are going there. The same thing's happening. So what I'm saying is we can't just yell and be angry at how bad things are. We are, and I am. But you also hear me constantly give you ideas and concepts and ways to move forward and things that we can do to get better because I'm trying my best to put some hope out there so that guys like John won't leave, so that people like you won't leave to where you go, you know what, there's some hope there. I'm going to stay. I'm going to get behind what this Larry Larry Sharp guy is saying because I got some hope now and I'll stay. That's what I'll, I'll do that. That's the hope piece. It isn't just about having, you know, showing someone who's wrong or that kind of thing. It's also about producing hope. It's about not being a sore winner when you win or a sore loser when you lose, but instead trying to think about the future and saying, here is the hope that I can provide, that I hope the other guy can't provide. But it isn't just hope because they got to hear you. And how do people hear you? You got to give them respect. This, we are suffering in, in America, in New York, we're suffering from a severe lack of respect. There are many reasons why Trump became president. But one of them was people who spoke to him felt respected. He felt that they heard them and that they were respected. That was one of the reasons why he became president. That was a big deal. So one of the reasons why Biden is winning. Because he felt, people thought he heard them. Right? Oh, he's hearing us. He's talking about these problems we're having. He's hearing us. One of the reasons why he why he's winning. Respect is a key issue. And the thing I want to remember here, and I want you to remember here, is if I respect your opinion, 
or the fact that you have an opinion doesn't necessarily mean I agree with it. And it's okay if I don't. It's okay if I don't. There are lots of people who follow me or listen to my stuff or watch my stuff, listen to the show, but don't agree with everything I say lots of the times. But they go, you know what? I still respect the guy. Yeah, he's trying. He's not trying to hurt me. He's trying to do his thing and he's trying to let me do my thing. He's wrong on this or he's wrong on that. But you know what? We can still have a conversation. And that's the issue. We have to be able to have conversations. That's the only way they change. That's the only way any of us can change. And guess what? I might be wrong. Odds are very slim. I'm kidding. But I might be wrong. And maybe if I have a conversation with one of you, maybe John and I have a conversation, something that he disagrees with me on, I could change my mind. Those of you who watch my podcast know I've actually changed my mind on the show live as people have talked with me about things. But respect is key. If you respect me and I respect you, then we can have a conversation. Then we can give each other hope. Then we can move forward together. What has bothered me so many times is how either side, whether they're winning or losing, immediately attacks the other side as invalid or dehumanizes them or calls them names. Think about this. When the average liberal uses the word conservative, that's not a descriptor. That's a derogatory term. That's an insult. When the average conservative uses the word liberal, that's not a descriptor. That's a derogatory term. That is an insult. I want those to just be descriptors. Because you are a conservative, or because you are a liberal, or anything in between, or however you self-identify, a constitutionalist, I don't care what it is, that's a descriptor, not a bad thing. We're all humans, we're all New Yorkers. Thanks, John, for calling. It's got to be about two things. I know it sounds cheesy, but I don't care, it's true. It's about love and respect. Yeah, it is. Hope and respect. Yeah, it is. Love and hope. Yes, if you love this country and this state like I do, show people respect and then give them hope. And that's how we win. Larry Sharp, host of the Sharpway Show. Please follow me on all the internet things on Facebook, on Twitter, on YouTube, The Sharpway or Larry Sharp. Thank you so much for sharing your lunch with me. I will see you all next week.